So beginning in Matthew chapter number 16 tonight, Matthew chapter number 16, in your Bible, this is the very first reference to the word church in the Bible. So we're going to start with the first reference of it. Um, if you ever get into studying the Bible, one of the things that you're going to learn is there's a law of first mention. The law of first mention is pretty neat um, study tool. Anytime you see a people group or, you know, uh, where uh, like Egypt or, you know, anything like that, the first time something's mentioned in the Bible usually sets the tone for what it is throughout the Bible. So the first time you see Egypt mentioned in the Bible, it's bad. And throughout the whole Bible, it's always been oppressing God's people or people hiding there, people being in bondage there. Um, but it, it's, it's a neat uh, thing. But here in Matthew 16, we see the very first reference to the word church. And so in this Bible study, we're looking and examining what is the church why do we exist? What's it for? What's our purpose? But some of the questions that we're going to be getting into are um, things like what should go on in a church service and what shouldn't go on in a church service? What day should we meet on? What day should we not meet on? Um, who should lead in a church service? Who should not lead in a church service? Who should teach? Who shouldn't? Um, we're going to get into the purpose of it. We're going to get into worship. What is it about worship? Can we find things in the Bible that tell us what true worship is and what worship is not? Is attendance good? Should we meet in a building, a barn, a pasture? Is the church a building or is the church people? These are the kind of questions we're going to be getting into. Um, and, and also, there's something called church government. Church government is how a church runs. Um, is there a biblical precedence for how a church should govern itself? Um, or should we just uh, be a democracy? Let, you know, whoever has the most hands gets to, gets, to, gets to override everything in the church. How should a church govern itself? And, you know, um, whenever, you, whenever you get into topics like this, um, I, I want, I'll start out by saying this. One of the one of the more popular movements that's going on today is something called a home church. How many of y'all have heard of a home church? Okay, that's a church in the home. Um, right, church in the home. Uh, but the thing about a home church is no matter where a church meets, it should be run the way God describes. So even if you meet in a home, an uh, office, a barn, a pasture, a building, or a cathedral, wherever the church meets, does God prescribe it to be ran a certain way? And those are the kind of questions we're going to get into. Some of them um, may rub you the wrong way, but, you know, so if the word's rubbing you the wrong way, we need to be rubbed the wrong way. <laughs> Amen? It's another way of saying God stepping on our toes. Um but I'm, and I'm all for that. If, if the Bible, you know, if the Bible's going to correct me, that, that means I need to correct them. And I love it when the Bible corrects me. I love it when God corrects me. I, we, we were uh, talking with our kids the other night and we were teaching them some things. And, um, 
and, and well, do you not love me because you're correcting me? No, we love you because we're correcting you. You know, we, that, that shows love is when God corrects us. He chastens those whom he loves, right? He chastens those. If God didn't love us, he'd just let us go off and do whatever we wanted to do. But because God loves us, he chastens us. And I've always loved and appreciated when God brings rebuke into my life because it just reminds me that God loves me. It's the same way a parent with a child. If your child was a heathen and you didn't do anything about it, you wouldn't love them. You would let them grow up and they would, you know, be a self-defeating heathen all their life. But because we love them, we try to bring correction in their life so that they'll walk on a straight and narrow path, be responsible people. Well, God wants no different for us. Amen? All right. So what is the church? Let's look at the law of first mention. And I said Matthew chapter number 16. Um, and, and the reference here is whenever Jesus is asking Peter, who do men say that he is? Right? And, and let's pick it up in verse number 16 or 15. He said unto him, but whom say ye that I am? Isn't that a question from Jesus? Who do you say I am? And I could preach on that, but I'm not. But who do you say Jesus is? It means all the difference in the world about who you say Jesus is. As I promise you, he wasn't just a teacher. He wasn't just a good man. He didn't come just to show morals. He's God manifest in flesh. He's the God man, the mediator between God and men. And, um, and so look what he says in verse number 16. Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Christ, not a Christ, the Christ, the anointed, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto thee, but my Father, which is in heaven. Now, what do you get right here? Right before the first mention of the church, you get revelation. A revelation has taken place. In other words, the light came on, just like we had at the church tonight. We were in darkness, and then the light came on. And Peter, at one point in time, did not know Jesus was the Son of the living God. When he first met him, he didn't know. Before he met him, he didn't know. There was a point in time, as Jesus said, flesh and blood didn't reveal it, but God in heaven revealed it. How does God, re if God's in heaven, how does he reveal something to you? Through the Holy Spirit, that's right. God's revelation takes place through the Holy Spirit. That means the Holy Spirit works on men and women. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Brother Norman said, amen. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit is all the time working on people, getting them to understand, getting them to this point of revelation. And when Peter grabs it, right, he, he realizes, whoa, this Jesus that walks and talks and eats with us is not just a great teacher. He's not just a miracle worker that can walk on water. He's not just a, 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 a person who can do miracles. He's God. He's God in the flesh. He's the son of the living God. 
son of the living God. This is a powerful statement. If God's not a man, how does he have a son? The, when, 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 you, when you look in the Bible and he calls Jesus the son of God or the firstborn, it's not talking about that there was a time when God existed and Jesus didn't. This is talking about that they are both God, but one, um, one comes up under the other in hierarchy. Not in power, not in nothing else, but in hierarchy. Amen? It's the same thing as in a home, a husband and a wife. You know that, that Jesus uh, died for both of them? They're both of equal value in God's eyes, but in a home there's got to be order and it doesn't do anything to diminish the woman's value or her worth or her dignity, but she comes up under in hierarchy of the home, right? To produce order, that's the same thing here. So when he says he's the son of the living God, he's recognizing this is, this guy's from God. He's not like us. He's from God. This is revelation. And this revelation, not any revelation, this revelation of who Jesus is, is what creates the church. This is what creates the church. You don't, you don't create the church by passing out cards. You don't create the church by getting people to sign up you know, on Facebook or getting people to come to your house or people to come to your building. That's not the church. The church exists when, when there's a revelation that takes place that the guy who died on that cross was God in the flesh and that he's not dead anymore. He rose from the dead. That revelation that takes place, you can, now look, you can read that in a book. I could, I could, you know, one of my daughters is learning how to read. I could get her to learn how to read it, but it don't mean she's believing it and getting it revelation. You understand? There comes a point in time when you say, whoa, whoa, God became a man for me to redeem me because my sins were so vile and I'm so wretched, there's nothing I could do about my sin. He had to come and he had to be the one who atoned for me. He had to be the one who reconciled me. I was so wretched. I was so vile. He did it for me. And see, that revelation, that is what the church is built on. That's what the church is built on. So you can get people to come in a home. You can get people to come in a building. You can get people to sign up for a little card. You can give them all kinds of stuff, but until a person experiences revelation, you know, the church. Because look what this next verse says. Look what, look what he said here in this next verse. He said, uh, flesh and blood has not revealed it, but my Father which is heaven, and I say upon, unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, my church, I want you to look at that. What's he going to build his church on? Does the church stand on Peter or does it stand on revelation of who Jesus is? We don't stand on the shoulders of men. We don't, we don't rise or fall because of a man rising or falling. 
We don't stand on the shoulders of men. We stand on revelation of who God is. That's what makes the church. That's why you could have a group of people in Ethiopia, South Africa, in, in Chile, in the United States, and in Canada, all of them from different areas, different walks of life, different denominations, reading the word of God, receiving revelation at the same time, amen? Never meeting each other, never going into the same denomination, but all belonging to the church, my church, as he said, my church. And, and, and you know, um, I've heard a lot of ministers, you know, describe it like that, but they'll say, you know, just because you belong to a church doesn't mean you're part of the church. The church will get raptured one day. Just because you're a card-carrying member of your church doesn't mean you're a member of his church. Come on now. You can have a card in your pocket that says, I belong to Second Trinity Baptist whatever, or I belong to Gospel Lighthouse. Just because you've got that card in your pocket doesn't mean anything to God. Anybody can walk through the door, and I'll show you this later, anybody can walk through the doors of a church and put on a show and get that card. But only those who catch this revelation are part of his church. That's why I said this, this is what he's going to build, my church, okay? So we don't stand on the shoulders of men. We stand on the revelation of who Jesus is. That is how the church is created. That's what brings somebody into the number. It doesn't matter if, 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 if somebody raises their hand, comes up front, says the right words, memorizes the right prayers. It, that doesn't, if they don't catch the revelation, got to catch that revelation that Jesus is who he said he was. Amen? So, who is the church? What is the church? Well, the church is people who have got this revelation. You with me on that? He didn't say, you know, um, I'm going to build my church out of brick and mortar. He didn't say, I'm going to build my church in every, you know, uh, street, in, in every main street intersection in every town. He said he's going to build his church on that revelation. On this, I'll build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it, which gets into a little bit about purpose, which we'll get into. Now, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Do you, have you ever heard it said that we are the church? We are the church, right? We are the church. When, when you come to a building, do you say you're going to church? Or do you say the church is going to a building? We, most of the time we say we're going to church, right? Well, is that biblical? Is that biblical? Well, let's look at it. Let's think about it. Now, the word church just basically means assembly or called out ones. Called out ones. It, it is God calls you out from the wilderness. An assembly of believers that God has called out of darkness and into light. That's basically what the word church means. It's an assembly. Now, let's think about this word assembly. How many of you have ever been to an assembly before? 
right? When, when you go to an assembly, if nobody shows up, is it still an assembly? If, let's just say there's 100 people in 100 different houses, are they the assembly or is it when they come together? Now you're catching it. See, they're not an assembly when they're separated. But when they come together for the purpose of meeting, it's now an assembly. You with me? So when God's people, when God's saints, when God's people come together, they are an assembly. They are a church. Amen? So, so you can have people scattered out in a lot of different places, and, you know, that's when the saints are out there doing what saints are supposed to do. But when we appoint a time to come together, that's when we're having a church meeting. That's when we're, we're assembling as the church. So the same way that this word um, basically means assembly, basically means assembly. So you can kind of look at it that way. Let me sh I'm going to show you a couple, of, a couple of verses, and then we're going to get into this. Um, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. I'll try to go through it in order. Now, as we go through this study about the church, we'll start in verse number 17. I just got to tell you, we're going to be camping out mostly in Acts, 1 Corinthians, 1 Timothy, Titus, and Hebrews, most of the time. We'll get into some other areas as well. But most of what we're looking for, we're looking for information about why we're here, what we're doing. Are we doing things that are biblical? Or are we doing things that aren't biblical? That's what we're looking at. Look at verse number 17, 1 Corinthians 11, verse number 17. Now in this I declare unto you, I praise you not, that you come together, that's your key right there, right? You come together, not for the better, but for the worse. So when they were coming together, they weren't doing it right. But watch what he says. For first of all, when you come together in the what? In the church. Hold up. That's, that's talking about where they meet at. When you come together in the church. Look, if we go meet in a pasture, that's the church. It's when God's people meet together. That's a church. It doesn't matter if we're in a basement, a pasture, a barn, or a building, or a glass cathedral. When God's people who have got this revelation of who Jesus is assemble together, we're having church. Don't matter where. But it's when we come together for the purpose of having an assembly, that's when we're having church. And that's what we're going to get into because God has a prescribed way for having church. God, uh, listen, God does not allow just anybody to do anything in an assembly of God's people. If 20 people get together and they start having church, they better start doing it God's way or they're out of order in God's eyes. Amen? 
So you can have people say, well, you know what? We're going to start a church in our home. We're going to start a church in our home. Okay, you can do that, but are you doing it God's way? You can start a church in your home, but are you doing it God's way? That's the, that's the thing. That's the thing. Now, we, watch this, though. So you see here that when they were coming together, they were coming together not as the church, but what? In the church. In the church. Coming together in the church. And um, go over to uh, chapter 14. Chapter 14, verse 18. Miss Opal saying hi. <laughs> That's right. She's getting in on the Bible study. So 1 Corinthians chapter 14, look at verse number 18. Now, now look, we're, we're examining this out of context because the context here is a completely different issue, but I'm, I'm getting you to look at a certain thing. Paul said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. <laughs> How about that? He said, I, I, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all, yet, here's your key, in the church... In the church, so he's talking about in a place, right? In a place. In the church, I had rather speak five words with understanding that by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. What's he saying? He said, look, I speak with tongues more than all y'all, but when I'm in the church, I would rather speak with five words that you can understand what I'm saying than 10,000 in an unknown tongue. It's what he just said. It's what he just said. I didn't write it. <laughs> I didn't. But what the part I'm trying to get you to see is that he's making a differentiation between when he's out in the market or in somebody's house and when he's in the church. Do you see that? So this, now this phrase that we use, we are the church, right? It's true, we are the church, but the church is also where you meet at. That's what I'm trying to get you to see. Both are right. You are the church, but the church is also where you meet, okay? Because in our day and age, people are, people are, um, disparagingly looking at the buildings, right? And there will be a day and time when we're not going to be allowed to have buildings, just like the church in China, right? The church in China cannot have buildings. They've got to have church in an underground, undisclosed location, unless they're a state-run church. So the church has to meet in an undisclosed place. There will probably be a time when we have to do that in America. I mean... God may extend his mercy on us, but who knows? But what I want you to see is there's a difference for how we are, right? Not in our character, but in the way he's saying. Out there, you know, when I'm in my home, I, look, I speak in tongues more than all y'all. But when I'm in the church, I want you to understand everything I'm telling you. In the church. 
in the church. There's a difference in the church. Now, this is going to get into a little bit of purpose. Now you're starting to see a little bit of purpose. Why do we come together as a group? You came from, you could have driven 40 miles to get here. I doubt you did. You could have driven four blocks to get here or four street signs to get here. Why did you come? Because when, the, when God's people come together, it's to what? It's to build up the body. It's to get stronger in the things of God, right? It's to build up. And that's why Paul said, I, will, I want you to know what I'm telling you. I want to instruct you so that you can get it, so that you can grow. Then you can go out into the community and you can minister to people out, out there. And, and, and see, this is going to be a, a, a eye-opening study in a lot of ways because all of us have, have heard that phrase, we are the church. The church is also the building, though, okay? So when you say, I'm going to church tonight, you're biblically right. You've seen this, okay, two verses right now. Two verses in 1 Corinthians that talk about in the church, and it's talking about going to a place. Let me, let me take you one more. Let me take you one more. Look at verse number uh, 23. Same chapter. If therefore the whole church come together in one place. I'm going to stop right there. You see that? Now he's looking at it from the other side. Because we are the church and the whole church can meet at Burger King. The whole church can go to Golden Corral. Uh, we're having a Thanksgiving outreach, right? We're, we're partnering with the rescue mission. You know, hopefully the whole church can meet in that one place and then we can go help. We've got prison ministry coming up. Hopefully the whole church can meet there. We do nursing home on Sundays. Hopefully the whole church can meet in that one place. And where we're at is the church. You see this? You see it starting to come together a little bit? You're the church, and where you meet together is a special place in God's eyes. And how you conduct yourself when you meet together is important to God, is important to God. So anybody can have church anywhere, but if you're not doing it the way God says to do it, you're wrong. If, if, if somebody stands up and says, I'm the head of this church, they ought to, there are certain qualifications we're going to get into that they have to meet according to the Bible. So somebody can say, you know what, I'm starting a ministry and I'm starting a church and, you know, this is what we're doing on Sundays. But if they're not doing it the way God said to do it, they're not right with God. And that's a lot of that going on. A lot of that going on. A lot of people having church that's not church in God's eyes. Okay, we're going to get into this. Now, let's, let's go one, one more place. 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. One, one more phrase. I want to I get in on this. First Timothy 3. Verse number 15. Paul's writing to Timothy. Listen to what he says. 
But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how, and that's what we're getting into, guys, how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. You see that? So, so Paul writes to Timothy, and the purpose of him writing is, while I'm away, so that you know how you need to conduct yourself in church. He didn't say, since you're the church, how to conduct yourself. He said, I want you to know how to behave in the church, in the house of God. This is how you're supposed to behave in the house of God. Anybody can say they're a church, but if they're not being led the way that the, that the Bible says they're supposed to be led in the house of God, it's not church. I said earlier, it doesn't matter if you meet in a pasture, a barn, a basement, or a building, or a glass cathedral. If God's people come together in God's way, they're having church. But if you're not doing it the way he said to do it, if you're not behaving the way God said to behave in the house of God, you can call it church all you want, but it's not. That's how you get into stuff like Jamestown. Cults. When you don't do things the way God says to do them, you get led astray. And, and you know what God says about rebellion? God says that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. So you can say, well, I'm just going to do church the way I want to do it. Well, God's already said in the Bible how to do it. There are certain people God doesn't want being overseers. There are certain people God doesn't want teaching. There are certain people, there are certain qualifications, there are certain things the church is supposed to do and certain things it's not supposed to do. And if we refuse what God has said, we're operating in rebellion. There are certain things that God has told us to do. Do you know that church attendance is important to God? You know, you know that we don't give out awards for church attendance. But do you know God keeps track of it? If somebody's faithful, look, it's not that somebody's being faithful to this church. It's not this church. It's God's church. So if somebody's faithful or unfaithful, it's not because this, they're not doing that off of me or anybody else here. They're, doing, they're either faithful or unfaithful to the living God. Amen. Somebody lies to you, it, big deal. You used to lie to people too. It's that they're lying against God. See the difference. And, and so the way that we behave is important to God. This whole book of Timothy and Titus also is written so that so that these overseers would know how they're supposed to behave in church how they're supposed to behave in church how the church is supposed to be ordered so what you see here in this verse though this part i wanted you to see is that how they're supposed to behave in the house of god in the house of god same thing as that phrase earlier remember the phrase earlier in the church in the church, I'd rather have five words of understanding. 
And here he's saying, in, in the house of God, this is how you're supposed to behave. So all this to, to tell you, what is the church? That's the first question I have. We're obviously not going to get all of them tonight. I think I had about 12 questions for you. This is the first one. What is the church? What is the church? You are and where you meet with other believers is. But it's important to God that no matter where we are with other believers, that we behave and order our steps the way God said to do it. God has not given us the right to quote unquote have church the way we want. God's not Burger King. God doesn't let you do it the way you want to do it. Have it your way. No, God has his way and we've got to order our steps according to his word or we're in rebellion. Is that true? So God has a way. And and what we're doing, we're going to we're going to examine this from about 12 different angles. I'm going to examine this from about 12 different angles. About what is church? What are we doing? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? And if you have any questions like, well, what's the steeple for? This is a great time to do it. It's a great time to study these things. Amen? It's a great time. Why do we got pews? I don't see pews in the Bible. Why we got them, right? It's tradition. You know, and I'll just tell you this right now. Pews, um, in a few hundred years ago, you know, they didn't take up, um, they didn't, you know, like today, people hold you by the ankles and try to shake all your money out. They didn't do that back then. What they did is each pew was, say, $200. And if you were a member of the church, you would rent a pew. This pew rental. That's how they paid their bills. That's how they did it. And however much money they thought they needed each month, that's how much they would set each pew as worth. And um, that's how they did it. So they didn't, you know, they didn't have this, uh, we're taking up the third offering tonight because we didn't get enough. They didn't do all that. That's where pews came from. It makes it easier to assemble, easier to sit. It's benches. It's benches. That's it. Steeple. It's not in the Bible. Steeple's not in the Bible. Uh, you know where a steeple came from? How many of y'all know where steeples came from? How many of y'all want to take a guess? You know there's a fight about that anyways, but anybody want to take a guess? Pointing to heaven, that's a very good guess. Could very well be. It's not biblical, so, I mean, that's, that's a good guess. Um... I've heard, and what I believe is the tr- what I believe is that, and I saw this happen whenever we were in Haiti, right? But you know, there was a day whenever everybody didn't have watches and alarms on their phones and and clocks on the countertop. There was a day when nobody had those things, and so in order to know what time it was when church was meeting that day, they put a bell on the top of the building. They put a bell up there, and they would go up there and ring the bell when it was time to start church, right? And then the people in that community, they would know it's time for church. Um, 
and that's where you get the church bells from. That the reason for steeples was for church bells. That's, you know, and then it just kind of morphed from there. So everybody kind of got an image where you see that church bell and steeple, that's a church. Um, but, you know, it's not biblical. It's not biblical. Neither are pews. Microphones aren't biblical. <laughs> Pulpits are. That's in the Bible. Altars are. Altars are in the Bible. But in a church service, in a church service, there are certain things that are in the Bible that, that the church did. Whether we're doing them or not is different. But there are certain things the first church did, and those are some of the things that we're going to get into. Now, so the first question is, what is the church? Are y'all all understanding that? Everybody's understanding that? How many of you have heard the phrase that you are the church? Did that confuse you whenever you heard that you are the church, but then you also called this building the church? A lot of people think, a lot of people get upset that people meet in a building and call it a church. Um, and, a, and, and the more that the home church grows, that movement grows, um, it, it, it's going to be even more. Now, let me say this too. There's another growing movement called the Internet Church. How many of y'all have heard of the Internet Church? There's even an app. You can have church on an app now, um, which is a gross abomination, uh, you know, from, from what God intended. Because even if you watch a church service online, you're not assembling yourself together. There are certain things that God wants to do, okay? Because number one, yeah, it's getting the word. But secondly, it's about being accountable to those that are overseeing the flock. If, if you've got to make yourself accountable to other people, if you're in error, you need somebody in your life telling you you're in error according to God's word. You need, I need an overseer. I, you know, I got pastors. I got about four pastors in my life. They can tell me when I'm in error. I check in with them all the time. Everybody should have a pastor. Everybody should have a pastor. Pastors need pastors, okay? And, and so if you stay home and you just watch church on the internet, who's overseeing you? You are. So you can live the way you, you can do what you want to do and not do what you want to do Nobody's going to tell you any different. That's somebody that doesn't want to come under God's reign. Okay? So there's, there's multiple aspects to this. Here's another aspect to it. Here's another aspect. You, you should be at church because other people can encourage you, and you can be an encouragement to other people. See, we, we have this mindset that it's, what am I going to get out of it? What am I going to get out of church? Well, what's church going to get out of you? Because it's an assembly of us together. And just as much as we need something, somebody there needs something from us. If we're together in this, and we're all in this together, you know, you, you could have something that somebody else needs because each one of us has, if you're a member of the body of Christ, each one of us has different gifts according to the Spirit and according to the Son and according to the Father. There's nine of them. And every single one of us have something that we can offer 
somebody else. And when we absent ourselves from the assembling together, then we're robbing somebody else from being touched by God. What, uh, this is one of the things I was talking about, um, and, and I was kind of trying to get this gear turning in our minds at the church whenever I was talking about our grief ministry here at the church. Because everybody's been through a, a thing. If you have not been through a thing, you need to write a book and join Joel Osteen's club. But everybody's been through a battle. Everybody's been through the fire. Everybody's been through a tragedy or a heartache. And see, because we've all been there, whether it was last year, last month, or 10 years ago, when, when we have a meeting like that called grief ministry, you have something you can offer to somebody else. You see, the first reaction that we all get is, well, I'm not going through a hard time. Why would I go? But... But they're your brother or sister in the Lord. And they're going through a hard time, so why not? What if you being there helped strengthen them? What if you being there helped encourage them? Because you know what? How many of you did it minister to you when you went through a tragedy and you found somebody else that had been through similar? I remember, you know, one of the first rugs pulled out in my life was when my parents were divorced. And, you know, everybody was saying everything to me. But it wasn't until somebody said, my parents are divorced too. It's going to be okay that that ministered to me. Because they, they were going through the same thing I was going through. They've been there. They've done that. They're still alive. Okay, I can make it too. And when you've been through certain tragedies, whether it's the loss of a spouse or a parent or a child or a cousin or a job or whatever, a house, when you've been through tragedies like that, it ministers. It ministers to other people to see you still here. I'm still holding on to Jesus. He's got me this far. And when they're still in the fire, it ministers to them. Well, that's, and, and hopefully you can see that's part of when we assemble together, you, you might be walking in peace. You might have it all together, but I promise you somebody there don't. And when you see them, when they don't have it all together, God can use you to breathe life into them. You can tell them, look, I know what it's like to not know whether you're going to get paid on Friday but look, I'll pray with you. I've been there. I've done that. God's going to get you through. He got me through it. And it will, it will speak to somebody in a way you have no idea. When, 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 when somebody's been through a similar circumstance and you tell them, look, you just keep holding on to the Lord. You keep praying. You keep fighting. You pray in the spirit. You stay in the word. You keep trusting God. God's not going to let you down. God's not going to let you fall. God's not going to leave you or forsake you. God is with you. God is for you. The only way I know that is because he did it for me. And he's not a respecter of persons. If he did it for me, he'll do it for you. Keep holding on. That encourages other people, right? That's why the church comes together. So, you know, in America, we have the production, right? We have, uh, well, we're going to get there, but we don't have the whole band yet, right? We're believing for guitar players, drummers, and all this stuff. But just, we got the band, and then you got the guy that comes up and speaks, and then everybody goes. But when we assemble together, it's to encourage one another. 
to lift one another up, to bear burdens together. So God doesn't want you to walk in the door, sit, get up, and walk out. God wants you to come in, interact, become one, bear one another's burdens, edify one another, encourage one another, pray for one another, love one another, help one another. That's what makes a church a church. So by believing on the Lord, as we saw in Matthew 16, 18, that revelation is what creates the church. And then when we assemble together, we're having church, whether it's a barn or wherever, and God's got a planned order. He's got a prescription for us to follow, and the reason is so that we can build one another up Here's another reason that we glorify him, that we glorify him. Amen? 